Hi, listeners. I'm your host, Rebecca Kelly, and welcome back to The Station, a fiction podcast about a space station called The Delta and its current solo occupant, Ida Shepard. If you're just joining the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a story based on a novel, so you'll be best served to pause this episode and go back to the beginning. It will give you some fun, binge-worthy listening material during this time of social distancing and quarantine. Now, let's get back to our story. In the last episode, we jumped back in time and learned that New Shepard, an astronaut on board the Delta, has devised a plan to send her crew members down to the surface in the Soyuz MV-54 capsule docked at the station. The crew has grudgingly agreed to go, leaving her behind to keep the Delta running until they can reestablish communications with the surface. Now, let's find out what happened to the two crew members the day they undock from the Delta. Here is Chapter 15 of The Station. Soyuz MV-54, this is Delta. Please confirm undocking, News said, floating in front of the large hollow screen in the service module. She was watching the video feed from the cameras mounted on the exterior of the station. Various video tiles were stacked here and there on the screen in front of her. She also had several programs pulled up, showing her the current status of the critical systems and orientation of the Soyuz. Undocking is complete, Delta, Andre replied from inside the capsule. It had been three hours since New closed the hatch and unlocked the clamps on the station end of the docking port. During that time, the two astronauts inside the Soyuz dressed in their space suits and ran through a complete undocking checklist. Everything was working as planned on the spacecraft. A few minutes later, a set of spring-loaded pushers gently nudged the Soyuz away from the station, and it was now moving slowly outward at about two meters per minute. At this point, in a normal undocking, Mission Control would upload the pertinent data for re-entry based on the location of the station at the exact time of undocking. Since this wasn't possible, New uploaded the data before the capsule undocked based on where the station should be relative to the coordinates last obtained from Mission Control. When the Soyuz was about 20 meters away from the Delta, Andre initiated the preliminary 15-second burn of the Soyuz engine to bring it into a lower and slightly faster parking orbit. This was done to ensure the two spacecraft did not intersect at any point in their next few orbits. New and Andre did some checks of the systems over the next two orbits. She made some adjustments to their trajectory based on updated location information. When they both felt the timing and position were perfect, Andre ignited the engine again for the deorbit burn, which would last about four and a half minutes. The burn slowed the ship down enough to allow it to enter the re-entry corridor. How do we look? Andre asked, radioing back to the station. The Soyuz spacecraft had been in operation since the mid-1960s. The design was simple and efficient, which was why it had been in use for so many years. Other countries attempted to create their own similar space capsules to ferry astronauts to and from space stations, but nothing worked as well as the Soyuz. It was comprised of three parts. The orbital module was a round module perched at the top of the spacecraft and used to hold gear, equipment, and experiments during ascent. The descent module was a bell-shaped module located in the middle of the craft. 
This was the most important of the three Soyuz modules because it was the only part of the spacecraft meant to make it through reentry. The crew seats were in the descent module along with the parachutes and heat shield. The final piece of the Soyuz located at the bottom of the ship was the service module. It held all of the primary support systems, including the spacecraft engine. Moments before the ship would begin re-entry, the orbital and service modules would break away from the descent module, leaving it and the crew to make the fall alone. It looks great, New replied. All systems are go. You boys will have a smooth ride home. A moment after she said this, a round of explosive bolts surrounding the Soyuz burst in succinct order. For the astronauts belted down inside the descent module, it sounded like there was a spaceman standing outside, beating the hull of the ship with a sledgehammer. This was a normal part of the separation process, but it still made Andre jump with nerves. He watched out the small circular window to his left and caught a glimpse of the two discarded modules drifting off into the distance, destined to burn up in the atmosphere and become part of the Earth once again. New watched the screen and chewed on her fingernails. She was nervous. The location coordinates they were working with were not the most current. Mission Control was in charge of plotting the exact location of the station within its orbit, and without their precise tracking, she didn't know where the Soyuz would land once it made it out of the atmosphere, or even if it was sent into the atmosphere at the right trajectory. They could only work off of what they had been given two days ago at the time of the last contact with Mission Control. All of their calculations had gone off of a best-case scenario with two-day-old data. Even if the spaceship landed where it was supposed to, there would be nobody there to meet the returning astronauts. They would be in the middle of Kazakhstan, a flat, windblown grassland with very few people and even fewer cities. Andre and Vincent prepared ahead of time by taking extra food and water rations from the station stores. They could radio the launch base once they landed, but they had no idea what they would find when they got there. Odds were good that they'd have to make a long hike, perhaps many kilometers, to reach any sort of civilization. New was proud of the work they had done to get the ship ready. Vincent was one of the most organized people she knew, and he oversaw the rush departure, with Andre doing a thorough and complete final walkthrough of the spacecraft. A half hour before they were scheduled to close the hatches, Andre found New in the docking module with Vincent, going through a final check of the computer. <clears throat> Millicent, he said, clearing his throat, can I speak to you in the G? She turned to Vincent, who gave her a knowing nod, and then turned to follow Andre. He led her down the G ladders and past the garden to his sleep compartment. As soon as she pulled the door closed behind her, he was there, with his arms around her. The top of her head barely came up to his chin, and the height difference allowed her to bury her face into his chest. To her surprise, hot tears started to roll down her cheeks and before she knew it, she was sobbing into his t-shirt. He held her, and they stood there for what seemed like an hour, although it could only have been a few minutes. She eventually gathered her ragged emotions and looked into his dark eyes. I'm sorry, Andre. I don't know what came over me. I'm just very emotional about all of this. It's not too late, he said. We can all leave today. He had a hopeful look in his eyes. No, she said, shaking her head. This is the best plan. I, I'm certain of it. She smiled at him and backed away, smoothing his shirt down where she had rumpled it with her fingertips. He chuckled and pulled his hands forward to hold her face between them. 
You're no good at this brave face stuff, he said. She laughed and brought her right hand up to cup his left hand. He pulled her face to his and kissed her, softly, as if he was trying to soak up every last drop of her. The kiss evolved and became more aggressive for a moment, before finally tapering off into a series of soft pecks. You really shouldn't worry, she said. We will have plenty more of those soon enough. I will be back on the surface before you know it. A somber look flushed over his face, and he said, Yes, you make sure of that. She nodded in agreement, and they left his sleep compartment together for the last time. As she watched the small craft fall toward the earth below, she remembered the intensity of their last kiss. She touched her lips softly and closed her eyes in an attempt to conjure up the smell and feel of his skin. Andre pulled on his seat strap nervously. He was not normally a nervous person, but he figured that this would be the time to get a little jittery. He watched the Delta smoothly moving away from them out the small window. He shook his head and squinted his eyes. He needed to get the Delta and its human inhabitant out of his mind. The real work was about to begin. Inside the station, Nu watched the screen in silence. She could no longer see the Soyuz as it plunged into the atmosphere, and she'd lost radio communications with it 32 seconds earlier. They were on their own now, but she was calm, knowing she'd done all she could to ensure that they made it safely. Excuse me, Nu, said a voice behind her, making her jump with surprise. Oh, she said when she realized it was the Nix unit. She clutched her hand to her heart and reached out to grab a handhold on the wall to steady herself. You really scared me, she said. Yes, I see that, and I sincerely apologize. But I wanted to let you know, I finished the maintenance you requested this morning on the hull of the ship. I ran the diagnostic checks on the antenna array, and it appears that everything is in working order. He turned his head to the side and pretended to cough, something he was programmed to do from time to time to make him seem more human. There is one minor issue. I thought I would bring to your attention, though. Oh, what's that? she asked. I noticed that the MV-54 undocked from the station earlier this morning, but you are still here, which confuses me. He tipped his head to the side as if perplexed. With all the hustle and bustle of the morning, she totally forgot about the Nix unit being outside the hole while they undocked. Yes, yes, that's right, she said. We decided it would be best if the two of them went to the surface, and I stayed back to look after the station. She paused and with a hesitant voice said, Mission Control will get communications up and running soon, and, and then I'll have further instructions. Ah, yes, he said. Well, I thought I should mention something to you. When I was out on the hull, I noticed the thermal blankets surrounding MV-54 came undone beneath the descent module. It felt like a hand tightened over her throat as she struggled to comprehend the words. You mean they weren't secured to the hull of the Soyuz, she asked, panic gripping her. They ran all the tests. They performed a detailed and complete visual inspection of the inside and outside of the ship. There had been absolutely no sign of the thermal blankets coming loose. She shook her head in disbelief and said, we checked everything. I, I don't understand. How is that possible? Well, I saw it after the capsule pushed away from the station, he said. I would have missed it completely had I not been on my way back to my airlock. The blankets were definitely loose. Why didn't you say something sooner? Her voice was high and cracked. I apologize, he said. I did not realize this was a time-sensitive issue. 
The Soyuz had multiple layers of protective blankets, which looked kind of like sheets of tin foil attached to its hull. These blankets served as a method of thermal control, protecting the capsule during ascent and docking. The harsh environment of space called for shielding to protect the delicate features of the Soyuz while it sat docked at the station. Although the blankets were not necessary for the heat shield to work properly during re-entry, the fact that they'd come loose was not a good sign. It meant something wasn't right with the exterior of Soyuz MV-54. Nu brought her hands to her face and closed her eyes in disbelief. There was nothing she could do now. She no longer had radio connection with the departing ship, and they were already deep in the atmosphere. She had sent them home in a defective ship, possibly to their deaths. What had she done? She spun around, grabbing a medical bag that was strapped to the wall next to the hollow screen, and vomited. Unknown to the crew of Soyuz MV-54, a bolt holding down a thermal insulation blanket sheared during the vehicle's ascent almost six months earlier. This was not a normal occurrence and would not have happened had the ship been built six months prior. The bolt in question was part of an upgrade to the Soyuz, and this style of bolt was not part of the spacecraft until the MV models rolled off the line. There were six of these bolts used to hold down the insulated blanket surrounding the spacecraft. Because the modules of the craft separated at re-entry, the blankets were arranged around the exterior skin in pieces that could separate with their individual modules. The faulty bolt was part of the descent module, the only one meant to survive re-entry. A failure in one bolt would not have been much of an issue, but it happened early in the ascent phase, when the spacecraft was still hurtling through the thick atmosphere. Without one of the bolts, additional force was transferred to the other five bolts surrounding the module. They began to weaken under the pressure, and they too failed in quick succession. An error in the logging system missed the failure of these bolts, and therefore, it did not show up on system checks of the Soyuz. After the craft came to orbit, the thermal blankets stayed in place only because of a thin layer of glue used to keep them tight during the manufacturing process. Because they were still glued down, no crew noticed that the bolts had failed. The glue was never meant to stand up to the rigors of space, and within a few days, it had failed too, loosening the blankets. Without these blankets there for protection, the ablative heat shield covering the bottom and sides of the spacecraft was exposed to enormous temperature swings, space debris, and radiation. A tiny crack, only a few millimeters in length, formed on the third week the Soyuz sat parked at the docking module of the Delta. Another chip formed a few weeks later when a piece of space dust nicked the side of the craft under one of the windows. By the time Andre and Vincent boarded the MV-54, the crack had grown to about three centimeters in length, long enough to weaken the heat shield and doom the crew. The ship broke up in a dazzling display of fire and lights over the Siberian tundra. Almost nobody saw it because it happened in such a remote location. Some reports made to local officials noted the occurrence of strange lights over the remote area. The Russian army was dispatched for fear of more bombings. All they found was debris. Since the debris field from MV-54 was over 30 kilometers long, it would have taken Russian and American space agencies months to comb out all of the ship's pieces. 
Roscosmos released a preliminary report stating a majority of the spacecraft had been found and it appeared to contain the remains of at least two individuals, although medical evidence was inconclusive because of the severity of the burns and disintegration of the bodies. The Russians had much more to worry about than investigating the crashed Soyuz, though. Ground attacks began a day after satellite communications were lost. Governments around the world prepared to move huge populations of people underground, the investigation of the lost Soyuz was pushed far back in order of importance, and eventually forgotten. They held a memorial service for the dead astronauts in Star City, the base of operations for Roscosmos launches. All three astronauts were honored at the service. Soon after the brief ceremony, the memory of the three lost astronauts faded into the wind as everyone braced for the inevitable fight. Thanks for listening, sci-fi fans. In the next episode of The Station, we'll return to our main character, Ida Shepard, in her present reality as the only occupant of the Delta. She's been trying to pinpoint the location of the new communications satellites. Will she finally make contact with the surface? Join us next time to find out. Bye!